Hello, welcome to Fed Talks. I'm EJ. <laughs> Gonna be honest with you, this episode is is late, partly because of the holiday, uh, partly because I've been feeling very down, and I didn't want to. I didn't feel like recording, but then I convinced myself that until I finish talking about American Pie movies. I still have that looming as a thing in my life. And I I can't push the end date of me watching American Pie movies back any further. Uh, So I was going to power through. This has now taken me four attempts to record because I keep running into technical problems or saying something stupid that I I, uh, can't quite figure out how to edit out, so I bail. So it's not going well. Uh, So, hey... Here's what I'm going to do. Mo- Today is going to be about franchise movie rewatches. And if it runs short, uh, that's the best I could do because I am afraid this recording is going to poop out on me at any moment. Uh, before I get to that, just as an update, hopefully in the next few weeks, I'll introduce the new format where I talk about sh- short-lived TV shows with the people who love them. Uh, I think that'll be every other week. Uh, kind of like the flop house where they do a movie every or, or how did this get made they do a movie every other week and then in between they have nonsense so you'll still get nonsense or more likely you'll ignore the nonsense and wait until a guest you like comes back on to talk about a uh a show that's cool i don't blame you uh first guest will be sam and we both we just rewatched our show and i am so excited to talk about it uh if you've known me for a while, you might be able to guess what show it is. Uh, but that it, it's a pretty EJ deep trivia cut. So, uh, you know, and it doesn't mean you failed if you don't know. Uh, I guess just to, because who else am I going to talk to about this other than The Void? Uh, I have now lost almost 70 pounds. I am very proud of myself, but also dealing with the fact that I still look bad. Um, it turns out maybe that was not my problem, and uh, it's just sort of endemic to me. And but now I'm I, I think I'm probably healthier, which means I will live longer looking bad and being alone. So great, good job. Uh, but I'm I'm proud of myself. I'm I'm trying real hard, and I usually give up when things are difficult. Like I give up so fast, and. Uh, this time, haven't given up yet. I also have not bought new clothes because I assume I'm going to put it all back on. So, look, there's no victory I can't turn into a loss. Um, hey, let's just jump to the franchise movies and see if I can get the recording to work this time. Uh, first up in the Marvel rewatch was Avengers Age of Ultron, which I was going to watch last week, but... Uh, I got a little bummed out of a movie made by somebody who is sort of notoriously terrible to women uh, with everything going on in the world. Now, here's the thing about Age of Ultron. Gun to my head, you ask me, do you like Age of Ultron? My answer is going to be yes. Put a different gun to the other side of my head and say, is, is Age of Ultron good? I think I'm going to say no. It's such a mixed bag. And the stuff that's good really works. And the stuff that's bad is so bad. Uh, focusing on the good, uh, pretty much everything with Hawkeye is real fun. Um, 
Uh, Wanda is a very successful character introduction, even though they uh, they repeat the problem that the comics had with the Scarlet Witch for years, where they can't figure out how to define her powers. And so now, over the course of four more movies and a TV show, her powers have sort of been what the plot demands. Uh, introduces Vision. Vision's great. Vision's fun. The thing about lifting Thor's hammer is great. Uh, Ultron's a really good performance and a really fun villain. Uh, there's some good action set pieces. The whole third act where, where Sokovia is being lifted into the air, even though uh, Sokovia is alternately referred to as a city and a country. It's possible that Sokovia is the capital city of Sokovia. Uh, and I know that's just a, a lot of uh, people fighting robots, which... Uh, it's like I can understand if like that doesn't do anything for you I enjoy it a lot and I like that once again the big set piece is built around saving people it's the whole thing about basically trying to get everybody off the floating city country uh, and there's some there's some great little moments uh, you know I had a lot of fun watching it and then you'd sometimes hit the things where you remember oh yeah uh, literally everything about uh, Black Widow and Bruce Banner having a relationship is terrible. All of those scenes are awful. You can tell the actors are not into it. They're just trying to get through that page and get to something else. Uh, and a whole lot of the, the Black Widow stuff especially is... Um, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time. Joss Whedon's a bad guy who treats women badly. And there's this whole thing where... Uh, they're talking about why their relationship won't work or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, Bruce Banner points out that he's a literal monster. And she does her whole thing about how she was sterilized as a child because of the Black Widow program. And it says, which one of us is the real monster? Which, look, people can say things in a movie, and I know that's not necessarily the thoughts of the author. But in a giant blockbuster that children are going to watch... Maybe there should be a counterpoint to a woman presenting infertility as a si as as monstrousness, particularly when saying it to an actual monster made of anger. Uh, because the the uh, the answer to a question, which one of us is the real monster? The answer is still the Hulk. Uh, and also, given what we know about Whedon's relationships, it's it's very easy to imagine him saying that to. A, a girlfriend or a, a wife who is having trouble conceiving or something. It's when it, it's the more you know about him, the grosser stuff gets in his work. And this has this has some this has some weed and stink on it. The uh, I remember at the time the reaction to it was really negative and it led to him getting off social media. Unfortunately, he did come back, but then he also sort of bailed on Marvel. He went over to direct or to finish directing Justice League, which not only drastically underperformed, but also sort of tanked his reputation when uh, all of the actors hated him and some of who have specifically called him out for abuse. Uh, in particular, uh, the, one, the one black member of the Justice League. And it just sounds like he has almost as much of a problem with... with uh, uh, actors of color as he does with women so cool dude Joss Whedon uh, so yeah there's some there's some real 
there's some real stank on this as a result of him being him. Uh, there's also, which it's, it's kind of funny now, like all of them have like these dream sequences because in this movie, Scarlet Witch's powers include giving people portentous views of the future or something. And I remember at the time, everybody was trying to figure out what these, uh, what, what like Tony's future where everybody's dead might symbolize. And we were all looking for little tiny things that meant something. And it didn't mean anything. I mean, it's in, in adventure fiction, you always have to present the idea that things are going to get worse for your main characters. So it's just sort of generally, oh no, things are going to be bad. Uh, I feel like, uh, like I think there was a plan in place. I don't think Joss Whedon was necessarily hip to that plan uh, beyond a certain amount. So the the uh, the dreams are very funny now because w with the way everything went, there's just such generic. Oh no, the future's going to be bad. Um, so that that's a little that's a little silly. Uh, also, at one point, a ship is referred to as being off the coast of Africa, which uh, maybe narrow that down a little. It's it's not it's Africa's real big, man, and it has little countries inside it. Um, but all all in all, it was it's basically a positive viewing experience, except when it isn't, and when it isn't, it's like oof. Oh, also, especially during the the opening scene which is also very weird because they're back together as a team and it's sort of been implied since the previous Avengers that they didn't stick together. Uh, and we don't really see them interacting with one another outside of like uh, Captain America and Black Widow. And uh, so you'd accept that they, you know, they came together to accomplish something, but uh, they also seem to have like a lot of infrastructure in place. So it makes it seem like they've been active the whole time it's just a little shaky uh and in our our infinity stone watch uh the loki scepter is uh finally established to contain the mind stone which then goes into vision's forehead and it's also the the mid-credit scene is thanos go fine i'll do it myself which is what kicks off the uh infinity war but there's nothing in this he says it as if somebody had failed him in this movie and that doesn't happen it makes it it makes it seem like Thanos watched the movie and was frustrated that Vision has the stone now but it's very weird for him to be frustrated about a failure that does not happen in the movie uh, and then there's no end credit scene which bad move because people were expecting that and you people go away with a bad taste in their mouth when they sit that long and get nothing um, there's no, also no end credit scene in Endgame, but that kind of makes sense because that's such a big finale and it's, you know, you, you don't want to undercut that. But uh, uh, yeah, that's kind, of a, that's kind of a whiff to not have the end credit scene. Uh, but now that we've had an end credit scene, that's Bruce Campbell literally telling people the movie is over. They're never going to top that. Uh Sir, mixed bag in Avengers Age of Ultron, but I am excited that next week is Ant-Man. Ant-Man's my guy. And then the week week after that is Civil War, which has more Ant-Man, plus he gets big. Uh, and Spider-Man's in that one. Guys, things are... 
we got a we got a solid couple of weeks. You follow that up with Doctor Strange, Guardians Two, Spider Man, Ragnarok. Holy smokes, it's gonna be fun. Um, so that's the that's the mixed bag report. Over in the James Bond series, 1979's Moonraker, which uh, if you were watching along with me and you definitely aren't, you remember at the end of the last movie, uh, it said James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only. And no, that's the next movie. They, they jumped Moonraker ahead because Star Wars hit in between when The Spy Who Loved Me was finished and, and then. So they had to... And it has very little to do with the novel. That's a thing at this point in the Bond series is they are still all named after titles of Ian Fleming novels, but the plots are getting farther and farther away. Um, and I believe, I think Quantum of Solace is the last one with a Fleming title, and that's actually just based on a short story that is not even a Bond story. It's just like the last thing that reasonably worked as a title. Uh so they they moved it for and changed it significantly, but it is it is full science fiction James Bond. Uh, I will say it is not good. It is it's not boring. So that puts it ahead of some movies that people like better for me. Uh, but it's it's not good. The it's weird because you're just waiting for them to get to space. It's like uh, it's like uh, itchy and scratchy getting to the fireworks factory. And you know once they get to space, it's going to be bad. But you just know it has to happen. So it, it takes so long to get to that point. And almost everything prior to that is Jaws returning from the last movie and trying to kill Bond in different, uh, on different modes of transportation. <laughs> and some of that's fun. It goes on a little long. but it Oh, also it has a, one of the best opening scenes in the series, the pre-credit scene where... Jaws throws him out of a plane without a parachute and he has to catch the guy who fell before him and take his parachute and put it on in midair. And it is a tremendous stunt. Uh, so you get that. I mean, that actually puts this movie up a couple couple notches because that opening gets you pumped. And then, uh, you know, the Jaws stuff is fun. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a lot of it in one movie. And then Jaws eventually meets a tiny lady who he falls in love with. And this is kind of a famous Mandela effect thing where everybody remembers her as having braces and she doesn't. And I too remembered she had braces and uh, I don't believe in the Mandela effect as being an actual thing. Like I'm never going to say, no, that's a parallel universe bleeding over. No, I just remembered something wrong. I'm not, uh, I'm not crazy. And I wonder if the reason people remember that remember it that way is because that would have been funnier like we were all in our heads doing a rewrite um and also they i mean they make a big deal of her giving him a big toothy smile and you know if you're my age you watch this on video probably all worn out from blockbusters so maybe maybe they're you know the right amount of artifacting you could go oh, okay i don't know it's weird that we all remember that but it is, definitely did not happen uh, and then by the time they get into space, uh, the, the villain Hugo Drax is one of the better known Bond villains, and he looks like tall Peter Dinklage. 
And I think Peter Dinklage would actually be a really good Bond villain if they could do it in a way that's tasteful. And I'm not certain they could, so maybe I'll just take that back. But he's in the book, he's a straight-up Nazi. But in this, he's just trying to establish a master race, which, you know, is still pretty Nazi-ish, but they don't actually say it. And I think if there's one failing of the James Bond franchise, it's that he hasn't killed enough Nazis. Let's see the next several movies, just just dead Nazis everywhere. Uh, and then it just, it's so ridiculous once the space shuttle takes off. I mean, a lot of the second Austin Powers movie comes from this, uh, the space stuff. And even the way Drax dies is a thing that happens to Mini-Me uh, at the end of the movie. Uh, uh, there's a whole, like, arm like like an actual space force uh you know 30 40 years ahead of their time and there's like this space battle of astronauts in jetpacks out shooting lasers at each other and it all it looks really bad like the the lasers look drawn onto the film stock uh also the space shuttle has a laser on it <laughs> It all gets it all gets very silly, uh, and there's times when it almost gets ex- gets exciting. Like they lean into the premise just enough, and then they back off. Like there's this idea that uh, James Bond and oh yes, the female lead is a uh, Doctor Holly Goodhead. I hate I hate the double entendre names. It's not even double; it's a single entendre. Uh, that they're going to bounce off the atmosphere because they're hitting it at the wrong angle while they're trying to use the space shuttle's lasers to shoot the globes that'll disperse the gas that'll kill everyone except the master race. And then they just sort of ignore that. Once they blow up the globes, it's like, nope, they could just put it on autopilot and go have sex in the back and uh, land safely. Uh, Jaws and his girlfriend also escaped the space station. Uh, it definitely looks like they, they were intended to die on the station. And then there's some dialogue at the end where they go, hey, they, <laughs> a large man and a small woman landed safely. Uh, this is the one that has the, when they, they try to communicate with the space shuttle at the end. And, you know, they're, 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 they're in the bone zone. And the, I believe the prime minister asks, uh, what exactly are they doing? And Q says, I believe he's attempting re-entry, which I got to admit, that was pretty funny. I, I genuinely laughed at that. I even knew the joke. And it's not that, it's, it's not actually funny, but it still made me laugh. So who's the fool now? Um, so look, it has its moments. Uh, is it one I'm going to watch again real soon? Oh, no. You know, when I do my next rewatch in 20 years or whatever, uh, I it's not one that in isolation I would ever I would ever just put on unless I wanted to show the cool stunt at the beginning. And even then it would be the, you know, just the just the beginning. Uh, and maybe also show that Drax, this <laughs> Drax is the inspiration for mini me. Uh, that would be fun to show somebody. Um, so that's our, our, uh, those are my rewatches. And that brings us to American Pie. Guys, we got a lot to talk about with this one. Uh, American Pie presents the Book of Love.
this is the lowest rated on IMDb of the entire franchise. And it's not good. But also, it might be my favorite of the series. <laughs> Which is a low bar to clear. It's a low bar. But we have some things to talk about. Uh, entirely new cast this time. Uh, it's yet another Stifler cousin, I assume, is in it. But he's sort of a, he's a side character. The last few have had a Stifler as the main character. Uh, this introduces Rob, played by Bug Hall, who was Alfalfa in the Little Rascals movie. Uh, and literally the first scene of the movie is him having sex with a peanut butter sandwich. And it doesn't even have the pretext of the famous pie scene from the first one where he is told that uh, uh, oral sex feels like uh, warm apple pie. And then he's like, all right, because even that stretches credulity, let's be honest. Uh, but this, there is absolutely no build up to it. It's like he has a sandwich, he takes a bite, he looks at it and figures, I'll be stupid if I didn't hump it, right? It's weird, but I also just sort of admire them just get like, hey, the first one had a big famous food sex scene. Let's let's just do that. Uh, it it reminds me, Ren and Stimpy, there's an episode where uh, they pose as exterminators uh, and the whole thing is just a pretext for uh, Stimpy to swallow Ren and then it's like six minutes of physical comedy with Ren trying to survive being in Stimpy's mouth. And they talked about doing a sequel to that episode that would open with the two characters just staring blankly at the camera as the episode opens and then still staring at the camera with no uh, dialogue or anything. Ren would just climb into Stimpy's mouth and then the rest of the cartoon would be set inside Stimpy's mouth. <laughs> and that's kind of what this is. It's like, all right, you guys liked it when he had sex with a with a with food. Here you go. Uh, this returns the action to East Great Falls High, the uh, Ursats East East Grand Rapids High, uh, and it even has the fake Yesterdog in there, which made me happy. Uh, I cannot remember the name of it now, and I refuse to look it up. Um, dog on or something. I'll find out by the next one. Uh, now, so the 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 plot actually is uh, uh well, there's there's a bunch of things happening, but the the book of love that's hidden away in the library that uh, generations of students have passed down to teach sex tips, I guess. Uh, it accidentally gets destroyed and they discover it after it's gone. And then they forget about it for about 60 minutes of the movie. And then they decide they need the three friends, uh, including a, a bespectacled fat nerd named Lube, uh, who feels a lot like the EJ character for reasons we can get into, but you could probably assume. Uh, they decide they need to recreate the book, and they notice the first name in it is Noah Levenstein, who's Eugene Levy, Jim's dad. So now he definitely has a name, and he was the guy who originally started the book. So they track him down. They go to his carpet warehouse. Yes, he's a carpet salesman, even though in the previous movie he was an attorney. And they reconstruct all the knowledge of everybody who's had the book, and there's a series of cameos of uh, people like uh, Dustin Diamond and Christopher Knight from the Brady Bunch and uh, 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 C. Thomas Howell and a lot of who are, are alumni who 
have uh, have things to add to the book. And then that also doesn't really figure into the finale. So it's very, it's this weird thing. Like you can tell they wanted to, this was the, the fourth spinoff and they really wanted to tie it back into the original, but it's this, uh, it's a MacGuffin. The Book of Love is a, is a MacGuffin. Uh, it doesn't accomplish anything. It goes largely unremarked upon for most of the movie. Uh, most of the, the other direct-to-video movies are all about the main character wanting to have sex with their girlfriend who is not ready. Uh, this one throws a curveball into that formula by having two lead characters whose girlfriends aren't ready for sex. Um, and at one point, they there's a ski trip and a character is violated by a moose, uh, which is the kind of scene I do not enjoy. I also feel like it would that would cripple you and uh also it's sort of treated like as in as a thing that's inevitable once the moose appears on this on the screen and i don't think moose are famously horny for humans it's weird the guy could have just not run away screaming and probably the moose would have just gone about his business i mean you've seen northern exposure they just walk through town they're not they're not uh you know mounting anybody so all of that's all of that's weird. Uh, there's a scene where they go to Canada to a Canadian brothel to lose their virginity, and an old woman dies while performing oral sex on the main character. And he and his friends go to great lengths to remove her from his groin, uh, including hitting a corpse with a pan. And really, they could have just called somebody in and said, "Look, this terrible thing happened." Uh, and been respectful as opposed to creating a Three Stooges-like scenario. Uh, and again, I say this is maybe the one I enjoyed watching the most. And it's still, I mean, it's still bad. Uh, but what's, we have to talk about the cast of this thing. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot to say. I told you about the cameos. Uh, Kevin Federline also is in it briefly as a border guard. Uh, the late Sherman Hemsley, George Jefferson, makes his final film appearance in this movie. Uh, he had a handful of TV appearances after that, but he was very close to the end of his life. Uh, based on his appearance, it is possible he was not aware of exactly what movie he was doing. Uh, not to say he seemed uh, uh, confused, just he's in a scene where... Uh, uh, there's audio issue, like he's he's a minister and something comes over the church PA system, and that could have been added in post. There, he didn't necessarily know, he didn't necessarily hear uh, gross teenagers talking about their urges. He was just generally reacting. Sherman Hemsley is, uh, he's he he bears no blame. Uh, Rosanna Arquette plays the main character's mother. Uh, and there's a tradition in these movies of everybody having one parent who is much too sexually open. And that's her. Uh, Curtis Armstrong from Revenge of the Nerds plays a teacher who's perving on high school students. Uh, which is one of those things that you can see where you could do it for a joke, but it would be horrifying in real life. And if you experienced it in real life, you probably 
don't get over it anytime soon. So it's that's one of those things that really kind of bummed me out that they kept going back to it. Um, although, you know, he's a guy from Revenge of the Nerds. So frankly, this is the this is one of the less offensive things done to women on his watch. Um, I will say this is a a definite step up from from other American Pie movies where where uh, uh, unnamed female characters tend to be borderline assaulted and they just laugh it off because, hey, that's what they're there for. If they have a guy puts his head between their legs by accident, well, they got to go for it. That doesn't happen in this one. So that was nice. Uh, um, this will tell you what kind of what kind of guy I am. There is a, a saleswoman in the lingerie store who is played by Carrie Keegan. I don't know who she is, but I know she was on the Arnold Schwarzenegger season of The Celebrity Apprentice, and I didn't know who she was then. So the fact that, and that was in 2017, five years later, I'm like, oh yeah, Carrie Keegan from Celebrity Apprentice. And that's not even a season I recapped, and it's in my head. This is, guys, it's a problem. Uh, and it, uh, there's another weird casting thing I want to talk about, but here's, here's where I've been beating around the bush. And this is why I, oh no, wait, there's one other, there's one other, uh, Beth Bears who went on shortly after this to be in two broke girls and then the neighborhood. So she's been on network TV for about 12 years straight. Uh, she seems very funny, but she's always in things that I hate. Uh, I interviewed somebody who made a, uh, an indie she was in at a film festival years about the same time this came out and everybody just talked about how nice she was. And she came back for reshoots, even though she had gotten two broke girls since filming began. So she's somebody I'm always, uh, like, I wish the best for her. She just has never been in anything that I want to see. Uh, she's one of the, uh, she's the main character's girlfriend. She, she does a good job. She's doing what she needs to. Here's where it gets weird. Uh, I think we've established in the past on this show, I, I, I don't really have celebrity crushes anymore because my, my real life crush is farther out of, out of my league than my celebrity crush. So uh, who needs it? That said, uh, if I were to have a celebrity crush of a, one of them would... Uh, so if you've seen Peacemaker... Uh, Jennifer Holland, who plays Harcourt on Peacemaker. Uh, she's been in some other things. Uh, I, th <laughs> I think she is extremely attractive. And uh, uh, and there's one movie where she has glasses, and that's maybe in the top three best a human being has ever looked. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who the top two are. Um, none of your business, frankly. If... if if pressed by no never mind so anyway so my 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 current tv crush were i to have one i i'm not sure the language i should be using is in this movie this thing that was made like 15 years ago when she is in her 20s playing a high school student so i'm like oh so as soon as she shows up it's like oh hey that's harcourt how much of a creep am i gonna feel like uh, I will say has p 
possibly the most gratuitous topless scene in American Pie history. And keep in mind, I am saying this now having seen seven of these movies. Uh, it is literally just, hey, come into the dressing room with me so I can show you my boobs. Okay, there we go. Very uncomfortable with it. Again, I'm I'm a I'm a middle-aged man. This was a very long time ago. Play this is this is somebody I think is currently attractive. Playing a high school student, I didn't like it. I didn't like how that felt. She does a good job. She's funny. She's good on Peacemaker. She's as good as she can be here. Uh, the fat EJ like nerd is in love with her, uh, and that's when it, where he uh, finally wins her over by being nice and funny. But. Up until that point in the movie, we see no indication that he is nice and funny or that uh, then they sort of established they used to be friends in middle school. But that is not a piece of information we have. And the only thing we have to go by is that he thinks she's super hot. So it's not a it's not an arc that really bears out. But very uncomfortable to see a lady I currently think is attractive playing a high school student. Again, like 15 years ago, but it's. No, I, I I felt weird and uncomfortable, and I I am gonna I, I I regret having this on mic because I feel like it be it can be used against me. Um. So I want to wrap up the the weird casting. Uh, so many of the, these, I mean, movies in general. Like, if there's four girls in a hot tub, they'll be named Hot Tub Girl One, Two, Three, and Four in the credits. Uh, I just want to share some of the actual credits from this from you from various group scenes. Uh, like when they go to the Canadian brothel, there are various women credited as Lady of the Evening, but there's Shapely Lady of the Evening, Wonderful Lady of the Evening, Superb Lady of the Evening, and Delicate Lady of the Evening. Uh, in the hot tub, we have Attractive Hot Tub Girl, Charming Hot Tub Girl, Graceful Hot Tub Girl, Pultritudinous Hot Tub Girl, and Cheerful Hot Tub Girl. Uh, hey, we've got some party guys. We've got a virile party guy, a roguish party guy, and a refined party guy. Oh, then a radiant naked party guy and an awesome party dude. Uh, and over in the party girls, they are uh, variously dazzling, ravishing, cute, foxy, lovely, exquisite, enticing, and statuesque. How bad do you have to feel if you're the one who got labeled cute out of all those adjectives? Uh, then we also have a brief wet t-shirt scene where the women in question are fascinating, tasteful, sublime, and splendid. I cannot decide if that is funny or way creepier than anything else they've done in this series. But that's where we are. This movie was a real challenge for me in a lot of ways. And yet, gun to my head, if I... I've said gun to my head a lot. Given what's going on in the world, that's probably not a good choice of words I should be saying. If you made me watch another American... Made me rewatch an American Pie movie, including the theatrical releases, I think it'd be this one. This one I at least laughed at some jokes. The others have had maybe one joke each that I've laughed at. And, uh... Look, I don't know. I don't want to... Next week... We go back to theatrical releases for American Reunion, 2012. So after kind of cranking out a, a, a spin-off a year, they take a few years off, and then they go back to the theaters. I have never seen it. We'll see how it works. Given that they haven't made any more theatrical movies and only one, uh, one spin-off after that, I'm guessing it doesn't go well.
Well, guys, that's your American Pie Report. We're almost done. All we have left is American Reunion and American Pie Presents Girls Rule. Uh, and that I already have theories about that one, given that the Eugene Levy is not in it and there's no Stiflers. I think it was not made as an American Pie movie, but rather was just purchased after the fact and the label slapped on it. But we'll see. I don't have any... I don't have any real information having not seen it yet, but that's me making an early prediction. So my early predictions are that Girls Rule is a after-the-fact American Pie movie and that Thor Love and Thunder will be awesome. Those are my predictions. Thank you. Um, hey, that's it. Remember to go to teasebysummer.com for all the best t-shirts, mugs, and water bottle. I There's only one water bottle, so I didn't want to make it plural, but it's a very good water bottle. Uh, it's very... I probably said that... I mean, I'm 70 episodes in, and I, I, I've complimented Tease by Summer on uh, every one of those episodes. Uh, maybe not the first one. I don't remember. I'm not going to go back and listen. But definitely since then. But uh, it's, it's, it's a water bottle that's funny, and I have said... I've, I know I've said this before... She's very good at creating text in a way that is is perfectly legible even from a distance without being uh, without being bland. Usually, if you do anything at all interesting with a font or put any style into it, it's hard to read, and I get mad. I mean, there's some of her t-shirts have white lettering on black on a black shirt, and that is usually terrible for me. Uh, this, here, here's me being nerdy and old at the same time is uh, I can no longer I was I wanted to reread uh, Starman uh, the James Robinson series and I cannot read any of the Shade spinoff issues because all of his dialogue is white lettering on a black balloon and my old old eyes cannot process that and it just looks like mud uh, whereas when she puts it on a shirt perfectly legible looks amazing um, I said that water bottle is great. I've been ta- I've been I have been using mine when I go on walks. Uh, it's it's smaller, so you can clip it to your belt and not have to worry about a TSA pants falling down type issue. Uh, it's not going to be too heavy. But if you want to go out for like a forty five minute hour walk, that is the perfect water bottle. Uh, keeps it cold. It's very her stuff is very well made, and uh, I, I realize she's not in the factory uh, going over stitching and. Uh, and uh, like seams and stuff, but you, you know, you've you've bought some stuff from Etsy that was on crummy shirts where they're trying to save a few bucks. These are these are very high quality. Uh, they they stand up well to to washing. Uh, it's it's genuinely high quality. Uh, and if they weren't, I wouldn't say that they weren't. I just would never mention it. But instead. Uh, I can tell you, yes, they are. These are, they're, they're very well made and beautifully designed. Uh, Teasebysummer.com. Check it out. Buy something. Write a review. Uh, and then tell me when you have, and I will give you a shout out or something. Uh, so many of my friends have, have Teased by Summer shirts, and it always makes me happy. When somebody wears one of those, one of those shirts, it's like, hey, you look, you look better now. Um, okay, that's it. Uh, you can email the show at, I forgot, I was going to say teasebysummer at yahoo.com. That's not a real email address. 
uh, fedtalks at yahoo.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram at EJ underscore Fettus and Twitter at EJ Fettus. Uh, sometimes I have funny things there, less so these days, but I'll cheer up again and get back on it. Um, that's, that's it. Uh, next week we got, I don't know, probably I'll talk about some TV stuff. There'll be less franchise stuff to talk about because we have a problem, you know, this week we had a problematic director. We had James Bond doing Star Wars and, uh, me feeling guilty about an American Pie movie, I guess. Guys, it's been a weird week. Uh, thanks for listening. I will catch you next week. Fed Talks is a Full Boys production. Wah, 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 wah.